From Microsoft New Zealand, I'm Daniel Larson and this is Azure Lunch, a podcast about Microsoft Azure in short digestible chunks where we discuss cloud computing from a Kiwi perspective with architects, engineers and technical specialists from around the world. Azure Lunch is sponsored by Microsoft FastTrack for Azure, a team of engineers and program managers dedicated to helping you to be successful in Azure. Learn more at azure.com slash FastTrack. Kia ora tato. Ko Daniel Larson taku ingoa. Haere mai ki Azure Lunch. In this episode, I have the good fortune to spend some time with Shemin Bonom, a data scientist and technical solutions professional at Microsoft New Zealand. Shemin lists a Master's of Information Technology, Business Intelligence and Data Science, as well as a Bachelor of Health Science, Medical and Molecular Biosciences as two of her amazing achievements to date. In this episode, I asked Shemin for her perspective on data science, machine learning and artificial intelligence, asking the question, How much data science is enough to be dangerous? As always, Shemin and I are employees of Microsoft and our opinions are our own. So on the Azure Lunch podcast today, I am joined by Shemin Bonhomme, who is a uh, technology solutions professional at Microsoft in data and artificial intelligence. Welcome, Shemin. Hi, thanks for having me. Let's rewind a bit. Let's go back in time and tell me about when you first started getting interested in what I call data science um, so that we can understand where you've come from to to where you are today. Uh, So I initially um, started uh, my adult life in in medicine funnily enough. I did uh, six years of a bachelor in health science and from there there was always an interest in math statistics and research and having uh, cognitive flexibility and understanding systematic correspondences between different systems, whether it's the human body or between different technologies. And as I progressed um, further into my career, the more I realized that uh, the medical industry was quite a few decades behind in technology, which was quite unfortunate. And also I wanted uh, another mentally stimulating challenge. So I decided to try my hand at a Master of IT at, at the University of Technology, Sydney. Um, and that went on for about uh, two, two and a half years, I believe. And I primarily focused in the data science and business intelligence courses. Um, my first language, unfortunately, I would say was Java. So you can imagine going from purely medical to suddenly doing object-oriented programming. It was uh, it was very alien. Why Java? <laughs> uh, it was just the first uh, fundamental subject that mm. we were obliged to do mm. at that and in that course structure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was uh, it was Java and also uh, SQL. And when it came to the data science courses, we got to take our pick of whether we were going to do R or Python. Um, At the time, Scala just started gaining popularity, so no one was really doing that at that particular time. So from there, we started exploring a number of different topics in data science and its applications. Of course, my, my base interest was applying IT to the health industry, but the more I went into it, the more I could see its applications in everyday life, and it just kept growing from there. Very cool. So your, it sounds like your initial motivation, though, was related to health. Can you drill into that more? What were you seeing and, and how did you think that, that IT could help in that particular space? Um, there's, I think everyone would agree that there is a significant lack of funding and support in the health industry. Mm. 
And so, some simple examples would be um, waiting times in the emergency room or waiting um, to get uh, results back from clinicians, those sorts of activities. Um, and when I go and look at the systems that they're using, um, it could be they could be still using Excel files, they're printing out, they're still using fax machines even today in hospitals. And I, I'm thinking about how um, how other businesses are doing that, that can actually afford to maybe have Skype or Teams or even have um, Office uh, and even use the correct software like uh, Dynamics, uh, for example. Um, they're able to cater to their clients um, in a much more in a much faster manner, but we're unable to do that for patients, for people that are suffering, which is quite unfortunate. It's just uh, prolonging the the period of illness and discomfort. Mm. So that's uh, one of the main reasons why I wanted to get into IT as well. Okay, so let's skip forward a couple of years. When you joined Microsoft, how did you come to join Microsoft? Uh, quite by <laughs> accident. <laughs> um, it was by word of mouth. I. I was initially uh, in a Microsoft partner, um, Empire in Sydney, um, and they're across Australia, um, the US and New Zealand. Their New Zealand base is called uh, Intergen. Yes. So I moved to New Zealand and I transferred from Empire to, to Intergen at, the, at their Auckland office. And from there I started uh, hearing by word of mouth um, that they were looking for someone that knew a lot about the Azure platform, but also had a real-world experience in data science and had executed it. Um, so I reached out um, to the hiring manager and we had a good chat. Next thing I knew, about two, two and two, two to three weeks later, I'd been given an offer after five interviews and I was like, oh, wow. why so keen? And it's like, it's taking us five years to fill this role. And I was like, and I'm your best bet. Yeah. I'm not sure if I should be happy uh, or scared. I think you're being <laughs> modest there, but um, five interviews, yeah, that's, you know, yeah. Uh, getting into Microsoft is, is can be very tricky for a good reason. Yeah. Um, and it's great to see, hear that story and go through that process. So the, the title of this podcast is about enough data science to be dangerous, and I guess it's because I know very little about that topic. When Microsoft first announced the Machine Learning Studio, and, and I think it was around about 2014, mm -hmm. I was at a conference in um, Melbourne called Yao. Have you been to Yao before? No. That's an outstanding <laughs> developer conference. Um, and there was some <laughs> poor person from Microsoft got up and did a demo of Azure Machine Learning Studio, and they, you know, they did the drag and drop demo, and we're going to mm -hmm. we're going to classify these films, and we're going to make a recommendation for you know the best film for kids. Went through all that awesome demo, but the result was Alien 3. And the entire <laughs> audience just lost it, of course, because that's not a great outcome for a machine learning algorithm. And that's what I, I thought, disagree well, with that. I think that's a great recommendation. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, well, that's right. Objectively, that, that may be true. But um, it just made me wonder, you know, can a little bit of you know data science be dangerous if we're wrapping wizards around around the stuff and it's drag and drop you know is, is there a bit of danger in there should i be worried the only danger is the person that's behind the computer right. screen yeah. that's implementing those rules i yes. would say and i think that's uh, anyone that has actually written their own custom algorithm or has built these things and maintained them would know that that's definitely the truth <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Okay, and and look, take me back. You know, a few years when when 
you know, Microsoft started announcing products like that and Machine Learning Studio in particular. I mean, what was the reaction of, of your community, the data science community, to that and our subsequent products? Um, I wasn't even around in the data science community in 2014, to be really? honest with wow, you. Okay. Yes. Uh, I started uh, my master's in IT in 2015. I still wasn't in the community. I started working in 2016. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So I actually only started using AML Studio in, um, in 2015, late right. 2015, yeah. when I was applying for my first job. So when I actually first turned it, turned it on, I was like, this actually looks like very, very similar to another open source tool that I use, and it's, which is called NIME, right. uh, K-N-I-M-E, okay. um, which is that drag and drop tooling. The only difference is it was um, on your laptop and not on the cloud. Sure. Um, when I, so in terms of the data science community, I wasn't overly involved at that period of time, so I can't really speak on to what, what their reaction was, but I did introduce the um, the tooling into my class to my to my teacher who mm -hmm. was actually a veteran in data science yes. and BI and he said I've never seen this before this is actually pretty cool you didn't code at all you just kind of cheated and I said it's data science <laughs> for citizens sir <laughs> data science for citizens yes what do you mean by that drill into that a little bit more well if you don't know a whole lot about data science um, in terms of algorithms, which one to use, it's very much guided learning and you can download a lot of templates um, for pre-made solutions in different topics hmm. and you can um, follow through step by step what the normal process would be from loading data, hmm. um, whether it's a, a flat file copy or it's connected to a data source um, either on the cloud or another um, data storage layer, um, to actually cleaning the data. Um, very simply, just a couple of clicks of a button, no coding required, to splitting and training the data set with an algorithm, hopefully an appropriate one of choice, and, and thereby into scoring. So it essentially could be four to five steps of doing machine learning and getting an output just using a couple of drag-drop nodes. And that, that really gave, it made it a lot more accessible to a lot of different people who did not have a coding background mm. and there was too much upskilling to be able to enable them to enter into that realm. It sounds like you're saying that anyone can be a data scientist or an engineer. Is that true? Um, it's controversial, yes. I know. I'm kind of putting you on yes. the spot. No, it, it is true. And... Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, let, yeah. let me rephrase the question. Yes. Does, does anyone have the ability to aspire to, to work in data science or be an engineer? And, and are the tools making that easier? That's a very leading question, but yeah. is, that, is so that what you're saying? The tools definitely make it easier. I mean, there is a lot of open source tooling and definitely um, uh, the, big, the big four companies, not just Microsoft, but the, the others as well, AWS and Google, they make it a lot more accessible. So... And with the open source community, um, such as KD Nuggets, Stack Overflow, Kaggle, and even meetup groups, having having those uh, connections and those platforms makes it much, much more accessible. So yes, anyone can do it. Anyone can start. Whether they should or not is another matter. Whether yeah. they're good or at it or not, um, I will find out very quickly if I have to work with you. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, you cannot hide. test. Yeah. Okay, and any particular person, personality types or area of interest that are particularly suited to this, to that field? Um, 
To be honest, IT is applicable to, to all industries. The only thing that I would recommend if you're getting into this field is to ha be very flexible and open-minded. Mm. And also some patience as well, because it, it changes quite often in the, in the ML AI community and the tooling that's available. Yeah. There are a lot of um, upgrades uh, and improvements that occur quite frequently, and it's right. really hard to keep up. Yeah. Um, and that cognitive flexibility is, is also being able to think outside the box um, and what, in terms of working towards a solution as well. Yeah, okay. You have to be uh, quite creative. Just briefly, I mean, good places to start for those people who, who this has spurred their interest. Where would you say they go next? Uh, so let's say that they want to start, but uh, they're not entirely sure where to go, like, like I did. So mm. they could take on a path, for example, that I did, which was to sign up for a master's degree or uh, a diploma or a certificate, maybe do just a couple of subjects and mm -hmm. see if it's their cup of tea. Nice. Um, and then if they want to, they can go the full haul. Whether you need that degree or certificate or not is yes. entirely another matter. It could just be a tick box on the resume. It depends on your networks and how you want to get into the industry. Yes. Um, if you want to do a complete free fall, um, there are a lot of guided learning platforms. Um, one in particular, if I'm a bit biased, is a Microsoft AI School. Nice. Where you can actually use a lot of those pre-built um, APIs and use it operationally in um, in your tool sets as well to call upon those algorithms. Wow. Yeah. That um, sounds cool. Yeah. Um, I've never heard of that. And, and we do a, um, we, we also offer services, right? And the machine learning VMs and things like that. Would yes. that be helpful? Yeah, okay. and you can turn those on and off as you need. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. They have a lot of power, which is quite useful if, you, <laughs> if nice. you're rumming up the deep learning tools as well. Yeah, good stuff. There you go. There's a plug for our Azure friends. Okay. What is the difference between AI and ML? I get this question a lot. I know you do as well. What's your answer to that? Uh, so the way I try, I try to take people that ask me that question on a bit of a journey because there is no one sentence answer to be able to describe it so that people can understand the mm. context. So essentially AI is an umbrella term that is determinant on the period of time that we're living. Wow. Because what we consider AI today was completely different to what it was say 50 years ago. As an example, 50 years ago, um, people considered uh, playing games on a computer to be considered AI. And if you think of what we consider now to be AI, which is uh, drones, um, uh, ro robots doing robotic process automation, overtaking uh, what we consider human tasks, um, even driverless cars, uh, that, that's, what we that's what we would consider AI today as an example. And in that sense, uh, AI would be um, using natural behavior to simulate a system that learns, that's mimicking human behavior. Right, and, and that is relevant to us today, right? I mean, yes. that, that entire concept is, re is relevant to what's relevant to us in society today, yep. like drones and cars and things like that. That may not have been so important 50 years ago, for example. Yeah. Wow, that's, re that's a really interesting yeah. perspective on that. So it's... Uh, it's also worthwhile remembering that AI is still based on machine learning. So if you're an engineer, from a tooling perspective, you're still using uh, the same tools, but your the output of the model is behaving much more intelligibly. Mm -hmm. And 
intelligibly can be based on your own definition at that period in time. Okay, and, and does that change as, as the technology improves over time as well? Uh, yes, it's also because we expect more and we expect right. better. Wow, which is kind of in line with Moore's law. Mm. You know, we were expecting more and more power and computing and results out of that. Okay, and has AI always been associated with machine learning? That's probably a pretty silly question, but I mean, we, we always had ML being the, the feeder into that AI. Anything that wasn't human, that was mimicking human behavior, right. that, is not, uh, that is not organic, I would say, was considered AI over time. Mm. And that's just my personal thought. Nice. I love that. Yeah. What about the more academic view? I mean, what, what, you know, what, do, what, do, res- what do research say and, and what, you know, what are the, the more famous quotes around this? Uh, so if I could quote an, an author, Francois Cholet, mm-hmm. um, in his book, uh, Deep Learning with Python, he, he says that AI is the effort to automate intellectual tasks that are normally performed by humans. Mm. Whereas machine learning is an algorithm to discover data representation rules to execute data processing tasks. Um, giving, mm. by giving it repetitive examples of what it's expected yes. and, and, and different examples of what's expected as well as time goes on okay. and the um, expectation changes. Right, well I can really relate to that because as an engineer, you know, if I think about machine learning, I'm usually working with data sets in Python and yes. I'm you know, bringing in algorithms and that sort of thing. So, yeah. so I think that's really good, but I love how you lead with the, um, the higher level um, definition of it as well. Okay, that's good. Well. Um, I'd like to hear from you now. I mean, you know, uh, I know there will be lots of stories that you can't share, but do you have any stories you can share in terms of examples of where Microsoft AI is making an impact to industries or community or even, you know, the planet and humanity as a whole? Uh, Yes, so definitely Microsoft has made waves in AI for business, but we do have a program of work called AI for Good, Mm. and that goes across three different streams. It's AI for Earth, AI for Accessibility, and AI for Humanitarianism. Um, Something that everyone can um, download and play on their uh, iOS and Android is is an application called Seeing AI. I love that app. I've got it on my phone right now. Yeah. That's it, fantastic. It is, uh, it's what I like to use as a party trick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if I was to, to describe it, so um, it's, it's, it was designed for people that have uh, dis- uh, any disabilities with their, with their vision, have trouble seeing, yes. and they cannot evaluate the environment around them. And so as Microsoft was developing their cognitive services, particularly with um, vision uh, recognition and also language and text understanding, we thought, how can we bring all these amazing services together into something that can help others and not just businesses? Mm. Um, and what, what this application would do is a per- the, the person um, who's using the app can use it to scan the environment around them and it will tell them, it will give a description of what is happening and what's out there. For example, a person going by on a skateboard, it will give a description. There is a boy on a skateboard doing tricks, for example. Or if you're at a restaurant and there is a menu, you can bring the phone out to to scan the menu and it will read it out to you. Mm. And you can say, tell me what's, uh, what, what are the mains for today? Mm. And it will read it out to you as well. Outstanding. Are we using cognitive services for that or do you think there's some more deeper neural network work in that? 
it, it already has. Uh, and cognitive services? Yes. Because they're using yeah. DNN under the hood? Yeah. But would they be writing custom algorithms, do you think, for it's, that product, or are they composing it, services? It is Microsoft IP. For, for, oh, really? for that one, okay. so we can't share how exactly they, ah. <laughs> how they built that out and everything they've used <laughs> <Okay>. on it. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's interesting. Unfortunately, but it's it's already um, pretty good. The the other part of the app that I consider a party trick is when you scan someone and it will tell you their age. Yes, I love that. And depending on the lighting, it can be either very wrong or <laughs> very right. <laughs> yeah, no, that is really good. Yeah. Um, we've got this um, intelligent kiosk internally. Is that available externally? I'm not sure, but we, we use it internally, right, for demos? Yes. And it's got all the good party tricks in it. <laughs> um, the other one I love is um, Soundscape. Have you seen that? Uh, no, I haven't that, actually. That came out of Labs, so Microsoft Labs and Research. Uh, and that will put sound beacons for people who have um, disabilities related to vision. So when you're walking, it'll put a, using stereo techniques, and I love this because I'm an ex-studio um, engineer, mm. and you know, it'll put, uh, using stereo techniques, with, when you have your headphones on, it can make beacons appear to sound like they're in a certain direction. So Ooh. it'll place a beacon outside the Starbucks. And then, you know, as you turn your body, um, you'll, work, you'll walk towards the beacon and you'll eventually arrive at, at Starbucks. Um, Inspired by dolphins and bats. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so cool. Okay. Oh, that's really, really good. And I mean, you know, let's talk about some of the more of the fun stuff. So we, we were talking about, you know, great AI movies before. I mean, mm. um, iRobot is one that I love because when he's asking, I don't know if this is really related to AI machine learning, but when he's asking the, you know, the guy who's just died and he leaves his message and it says, I'm sorry, um, my responses are limited. And I just think that's such a really accurate representation of, of technology at the time and that, you know, it's not just going to be this magical elf that's going to ask answer any <laughs> question that he's got. So I love that. But we were talking about X Machina. Tell me about X Machina and, it, and its, you know, relation to AI. What, what's your take from that? Um, so I like to use popular references and how AI is being represented yeah. in the media. Yeah. And it's also why uh, AI, I find when I'm having conversations, might get a bit of backlash. A lot of people think that AI is about passing the Turing's test, whether you realize it or not. Yes. Um, and having the uh, ability, uh, the, the object has the ability to <clears throat> recognize that they're alive. Mm. And uh, with Ex Machina, that it was a really beautiful yet a disturbing movie, mm. particularly about that. And I find that uh, these uh, these type of uh, media, Ex Machina, or even Black Mirror series, mm. um, it gives uh, AI a lot of bad rep. Yep. But it's also very realistic because, um, particularly in Black Mirror, where a lot of it's uh, happening happening today. Yeah. yeah, and it's a shame, I think, that the media, you know, just still, even today, what are we, you know, mm. 25, probably almost 30 years since Terminator was first released, are still jumping on yes. the um, the Skynet examples <laughs> and, you know, and bots are going to take over the world and all of that. So It's something we really struggle yeah. with, I notice, with, you know, conversations with customers. Mm. Um, so yeah. what I tell, what I normally tell people is that it's, I don't think we're going to be anywhere close to X Machina anytime soon. Mm. And and to be open and honest with them, it requires a lot of rules to um, make yep. something intelligent. And you could you could drive yourself mad trying to, to build something that has that type of reaction and very subtle human reflexes in um, interactions with other people. Mm. Um, so to, to, to build that out, it's, it, it 
it's highly unlikely. And uh, particularly with AI and machine learning, if people are unhappy with the output, uh, it's usually more to do with the person behind the screen that's putting that program together. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm less worried about the the machine, the object, and the model. I'm always mm. more worried about the person that's the defining the rules yeah. behind it. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. And that's why I think you know trust is so important at mm. the moment, and and you know ethics and and all of this. I'm really glad we're putting a lot yeah. of work into into flushing that out because that's so important. Yes. With uh, who said that? With great power comes great responsibility. Um, responsibility. Oh, I know this one. But anyway, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. Pleasure. I'm very grateful that we could have this opportunity hopefully get to do it again. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining me on the Azure Lunch podcast. No problem. Azure Lunch is sponsored by Microsoft FastTrack for Azure, a team of engineers and program managers dedicated to helping you to be successful in Azure. Learn more at azure.com slash fasttrack.